I am so honored this morning to be able to share the Word of God with you, and I'm doubly honored to have my dear, dear friends, Richard and Lindsay Roberts here. <clears throat> I need to have both of them up here ministering to you. They are amazing. They're just some of my favorite people in the whole wide world. And I am so greatly, greatly honored that you would drive all the way to hear me today. Thank you. Thank you. You know, Jerry has been preaching since October on Show Me Your Glory, your manifested presence, your manifested power, and your manifested goodness. Well, when he asked me to speak at the uh, President's Cabinet Vision meeting last week, when I was praying about it a few weeks before, I thought, Lord, what do I minister on? What do you want me to say? And I couldn't do anything but pick up on his theme, God's presence, God's power, and God's goodness. And that's what I want to talk about today are those three things, God's presence, God's power, and God's goodness. You know, I wanted to get this in me. When Jerry speaks, well, let me, let me backtrack just a tad. Years ago, Brother Earl Roberts, Brother Kenneth Copeland, and Brother Hagen, all three at different times have said to him, and Jerry told you this several weeks ago, that he was a seer or a prophet. He could hear what God wanted to be said, and then he had the ability to speak it into planet Earth. You know, things don't happen in your life or my life unless we speak it into the Earth. Well, God's always done that through his prophets. Whatever he wanted done, he would use a man, a prophet, and speak it into planet Earth. So these words that were given to Jerry are not just cutesy little words that are... are you know, put on a little, uh, what is this, uh, bookmark for us to have. They are spoken into planet Earth for us to be able to use it, to act on it, to, to have it work in our lives. So when this was given to Jerry by God, and you have to know my husband is a quiet man. You only ever hear him talk when he stands up behind the pulpit. We can drive 200 miles and he doesn't say a word, you know. I mean, he's a quiet man. But when he speaks, guess what? I listen. When he speaks, I listen. And so when God gave him this, to get this in me, I wrote it on little pink sticky tabs. And I put it at my bedroom door as I'd go out. I put it at the top of my stairs where I'd see it as I would go out. And I would say it. Every time I saw it, I, when I got to the bottom of my stairs, it was on the newel post. When I got into my kitchen, it was on the refrigerator, and it was on the pantry, and it was on the back door, and it was going out to the game room. I was serious about this, and I wanted to get it inside me. Well, Jerry comes home, he says, Carolyn, I hate those little pink sticky things everywhere. So he had these printed, because he thought these looked nicer, you know. I said... You just leave me alone and leave my pink sticky tabs alone. You're leaving town tomorrow and you're going to be gone for two weeks and my pink sticky tabs don't bother me one bit. And I said, every time I walk by it, I say it. Every time I walk by it, I say it. Lord, show me your presence. Show me your power. Show me your goodness. I want that down on the inside of me, not just a sermon some preacher preached somewhere. I want it inside of me. So I said, I give you my word. When you come back in two weeks, the pink sticky tabs will be off the doors and off the cabinets because I'll have it down on the inside of me. So that's what's happened, and that's just where this has led to. So hallelujah. Here we go. Are you ready? Living close to God, experiencing his presence. James 4, 6. Before I get started, let me clarify something because I want to put it out to you. You may have never sat in a service where you're going to receive so much scripture in one service, but I'm going to give it to you like rapid fire out of a machine gun. Is that okay? Scripture after scripture to prove my point. All right? So James 4, 8 says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Modern English translation says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And I love this other translation. 
to come closer, to draw near means to come closer, to approach, to cause, to move continuously toward or after something. So I'm continuously moving closer to God. I want more fellowship with him as the songs that Cassie just sang. I want to be closer to God. Verse 5 says in the Passion Translation, Does the scripture mean nothing to you that says the spirit that God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us? But he continues to pour out more and more grace upon us For it says, God resists you when you are proud, but continually pours out grace when you are humble. So then, surrender to God. Surrender to God. Stand up to the devil and resist him, and he will turn and run away from you. But verse 8, move your heart closer and closer to God, and he will even come closer and closer to you. Oh, don't you love that one? Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I'm standing at the door knocking. If your heart is open to hear my voice and you open the door within, I will come in unto you and feast with you and you will feast with me. That's the heart of the Father. When you hunger and thirst for the things of God, you will be filled with the things of God. If you want to see more of God and have more of God, you diligently have to go after more of God. God is desiring to become more intimate with us, but we've got to spend time with him to know him better and for him to manifest his glory in our lives. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us draw near, draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may see mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Hebrews 7.25 says, He is able to save forever those who draw near to God. Now listen to all the phrases, and you might want to underline them. Everything I've underlined, draw near, draw near, draw near, draw near. To God, through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for us. Hebrews 11.6, Without faith it is impossible to please Him, for He who draws near to God, draws near to God, must believe that he is. If you draw near to God and believe that he is, the next part says he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. A rewarder. Oh my goodness. Don't you want to be rewarded? He's a rewarder if you diligently seek him. If you don't diligently seek him, guess what? There are no rewards. The great passion of uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews, which we think is Paul, is that we draw near to God and then we come to his throne to find all the help that we need. And this is clearly what he means in Hebrews eleven twenty two, because verse 19 says that we have confidence to enter into the holy of holies, that is the new heavenly holy of holies, like the inner room in the old tabernacle or the Old Testament, where the high priest would enter once a year to commune and fellowship with God, we have that privilege every day, anytime we choose, to enter into the Holy of Holies, into the very presence of God himself. So the one command, the one exhortation that we are given in Hebrews 19, uh, 10, 19 through 22, is draw near to God. The great aim of this writer is that we get near him that we get near God, fellowship with him, that we not settle for a Christian life that is at a distance from God. And it not be a distant thought, but a near and present reality. We experience what the old timers call communion with God. God wants communion with us. So drawing near is a directing of the heart into the presence of God. Who is at distant as the Holy of Holies in heaven, and just as near as our faith. He is commanding us to come, to approach him, to draw near. First Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also died for our sins once and for all, the just for the unjust, in order that he might bring us near to God. Amen. That he might bring us to God. Ephesians 2.18 says, Through Christ, we have access in one spirit to the Father. Romans 5.11 says, We exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. 
So this is the center of the gospel. This is what the Garden of Gethsemane, this is what we celebrate Good Friday as, that God has done astonishing and costly things to be able to draw us near, to draw us near. He has sent his son to suffer and to die so that through him we might draw near. And all of this is for us. It says, but he magnifies his mercy by giving us free access through his son in spite of our sin. To the one reality that can satisfy us completely and forever, namely God himself. Psalm 1611 says, in your presence is fullness of joy. There we go again. Show us your presence. Show us your presence. Draw near. He cannot draw near to us until we draw near to him. Show us your presence. In his fullness, in his presence, his fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. If you're never in his presence, you can't have joy. It's not in gambling. Joy is not in drugs. Joy is not in alcohol. Joy is not in pornography. Joy is not in those things that are out there in the world. Joy comes from being in the presence of the Lord. In his presence is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. So if you're depressed, if you're down, if you're, you're in a calamity, you're in trials, you're in trouble, then all you need to do is get into the presence of God because in his presence is fullness of joy. Psalms 42, 2 says, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? The answer to that question is now I will come. Now I will come into the presence of the Lord. So in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. That's the will of God for us. In Psalms 42, 2, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? The answer again is now. Now I will come and appear before God. Psalms 42, 1 says, as the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for thee, O God. Are you hungering like that for God? Oh, I want that. I want that so desperately in my life. Did you ever notice in Genesis, the third chapter, verse 8, that Adam and Eve heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day? And God said to them, where are you? And Adam said, I was afraid and I hid myself. And he said, and he, and he said he was naked and he was afraid and he hid himself. And he said, who told you? Who told you? Have you partaken of the tree that I forbid you to partake of? I want you to notice fellowship, God fellowship with Adam and Eve in the garden in the cool of the day. I think that's giving the first fruit of your day, your tithes to the Lord to fellowship with him early in the morning in the cool of the day. Don't you? So that's what I do every morning. I fellowship with God early in the morning. I give him myself early in the morning. Good intentions to spend time early with God can get snatched away from you. I know some mornings I get up and I go down to feed the dogs. So when I go out to feed the dogs in the garage, I may notice that their dog pans are dirty. So I take their dog pans into the laundry room, the big sink, and wash their dog pans out. And then I put their food in, take them back out to the garage to feed the dogs. And then I notice, oh my goodness, this one dog that we inherited from Mark James and Rachel. <laughs> this dog sheds so badly. This morning... I leave the garage up like that so they can go in and out. This morning with the sunshine coming under the garage door, dog hair. Oh, millions and millions of dog hair. So dress like this, raise the garage doors up, sweep four garages out because of the dog hair. Well, after you do that, then I realize, you know, I have to rinse out the sink and wash out the sink, you know, put Clorox in it, get rid of the germs and everything. Then I realized I need to put a, wash, a load in the washer and a load in the dryer. Before you know it, the whole entire morning has disappeared and you've spent no time with the Lord whatsoever. So it has to be priority. It has to be the first thing you do in the morning, the very first thing you do. Hallelujah. 
Isaiah 43, 1 says, Thus says the Lord, I created you and I formed you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you, ransomed you by paying a price. Instead of leaving you captives, I have called you by your name and you are mine. God has called us by our name and we are his. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned or scorched. Nor will the flame kindle upon you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. He is ours. We are His. We are called by His name. My two children were, are mine. They were planned. They are mine. I call their names. I named them. Jerry Ann is named after her daddy, and she has my middle name. I named her. She is mine. Terry Lynn, I love her name. I made it rhyme with Jerry Ann. Spelled it almost alike. So I named them. They are mine. Well, God named us. We are his. We are special to him. Listen, and when they go through troubled waters, when they go through an area being burned or scorched, when they go through rivers that are flooded, guess what? I'm going to be right there by their side. I'm going to hold their hand. I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to provide for them. That's what God does for us when we go through troubled waters. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. He's always there by our side. Ephesians 1 verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Even as in his love, he chose us, actually picked us out for himself as his own in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, consecrated, and set apart for him and blameless in his sight even above reproach before him. Listen at verse 5. For he foreordained us, destined us, planned in love for us to be adopted and revealed as his own children through Christ Jesus in accordance with the purpose of his will because it pleased him and it was his kind intent. I am a child of God. You cannot take a baseball bat and beat that out of me because I know who I am in Christ Jesus. I am a child of the living God. I'm called by his name. Oh, I'm called by his name. Let me give you a whole bunch of scriptures that we're children of God. Romans 8, 14 through 16. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Verse 15, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we say, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Galatians 4, 6, and because you are children or sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Ooh, isn't that good? Galatians 3.26, for you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. John 1.12, for as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them who believe in his name. 2 Corinthians 6.18, And I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Almighty. 1 John 1, 1 through 2. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called sons of God. Therefore the world world uh, know with us not, because it knew him not. The Amplified says, See what an incredible quality of love the Father has given shown, bestowed on us, that we should be permitted to be named and called and counted the children of God. And so we are. Verse 2 says, Beloved, we are even here and now God's children. Here and now God's children. Well, I have two beautiful daughters. If you'll put the pictures up on the screen, please. And I have seven beautiful grandchildren. That's my family. 
Is, is that the most beautiful family you've ever seen? Look at that little gray-haired man next to me. I'm telling you, at the wedding for Sam and Matt Friday night, I'm sitting at the table, and the MC said, the butterflies, you remember the butterflies? I leaned over, and I said, I haven't had butterflies in so many years. I don't remember butterflies. But my heart still pounds every time I see him walk up here to this pulpit. I see how handsome he is. Oh, he just makes my heart so happy and so full. But look at my two daughters, Jerrianne and Terry, and look at my grandchildren. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that the most beautiful family you've ever seen? I think it's the most beautiful family, family there is. <laughs> well, I love this family of mine more than words can express. If I love my family like this, can you only try to imagine how much God loves us and how he gave his son? You know, Jesus always was in heaven at the right hand of the Father. And when Adam and Eve committed high trees in the Garden of Eden, God had a plan. I mean, God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, they, oh, they came up with a plan. And Jesus said, I will go. I will go to earth and redeem mankind. I will go. So, oh, Jesus stripped himself of all of his heavenly divine privileges and came and was birthed in this earth by a woman. He had to have legal entry into this earth like every other human being has. He had to be birthed by a woman. He had to come by way of the womb so he could have legal entry into planet earth. Glory to God. That's why Satan doesn't have legal entry anymore into this earth. Even though he's roaming about, he doesn't have legal entry. Oh, but we do. Now I'm going to take a rabbit trail. Oh, Jesus, help me. Do you know, when you begin to stand and praise God, when Cassie leads us, and we have the privilege to stand and raise our hands, do you know you just became Lucifer's replacement? You just became his replacement? Do you know he led praise and, and worship in heaven? Oh, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Well, none of this is in my notes. But you know, he, he controlled earth. He was ruler of earth. If you go back and study the scripture, he ruled. You'll see that there were cities that then were, the Bible says. He controlled. He was the ruler of planet earth. So when he committed high treason in heaven and God kicked him out and he took one third of the angelic hosts with him, God said, I'm going to create a man in my image and in my likeness. And that's what he did. He came down and from the dust of this earth, he breathed the spirit of life into Adam and Eve. And we became Lucifer's replacement. And don't you know that day when Adam and Eve, when they stood up and they were introduced to God for the first time and they began to love him and praise him and fellowship with him and adore him. Don't you know Lucifer had his face slapped? Oh, I'm telling you. And he began to run because he said, no, no, no. They just replaced me. They replaced me. They replaced me. And that's why I'm here to tell you today, when you get in trouble, when there's calamity coming your way, don't you turn coward and run. You stand up on your feet and you begin to raise your hands. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And as you begin to praise your God, Satan has to flee. He has to run. Oh, my goodness, because he hates you. You took his place. Glory to God. So the love I have for this family of mine, I, I can't explain it. So that causes me to be able to have an inkling of the love that Father God has for us. As their mother and grandmother, when they come and visit me and we're talking and laughing and playing games and telling stories then I'm getting to know them and I'm getting to know what's going on in their lives. What new thing is happening to them? And I have no greater joy than getting to spend time with my family and with my grandchildren. 
When they're spending time with me, my heart is so full, it causes me to want to give them the desires of their heart and to bless them in every way that I possibly can. When my oldest grandson, Mark James, was a baby, he started talking at nine months, and he wasn't a normal child. Usually a child says one word when they start to talk. That child talked in two words. The first, He said, hi, Papa, were his first words. And it wasn't a week later he was talking in sentences. And if you've ever been around him, that's all he does is talk, talk, <laughs> talk, 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 talk. He talks all the time. You can't get a word in edgewise, hardly. But when that child was little, uh, we were at a wedding. My daughter, Terry, her best friend, Teresa Pascal, it was her sister's wedding. And Mark James is three years old. And he says, Mimi, can I go home with Zoo? And it was Zoo, Z-O-O-O, Zoo. And I said, well, Mark James, I have a lot of errands to run today. And if you go home with me, we're going to have to do the errands first. Because I played with him. I had an Indian teepee. And he wore the headdress. And he had the tomahawks. And I had the cowboy belt and the cowboy hat. And we played cowboys and Indians. And, and he'd go in the teepee. And, oh, we just, oh, we'd have so much fun when he would come to my house. And we had the stick horse that you squeeze the ears and it would make the horse sounds and everything. I had one. He had one. Everybody had one. So we played cowboys and Indians and ride our horses through the house. So I told him, I said, sweetheart, I have to do all these errands first. And we have to go to the grocery store. He said, okay, Mimi, I go with Zoo. So I asked Jerry Ann. She gave us permission. So we're at the grocery store. I set him in the cart, and I'm pushing him down the aisles. We get down one of the aisles, and he says, Mimi, stop. Mimi, stop. So I stopped the cart, and he took my cheeks in his hands like this, and he looks right in my eyes, and he says, Mimi, I have so much fun with Zoo. Do you not think I'm melted into a puddle? I have so much fun with Zoo. Oh, my goodness. Well, that child, at that time, I mowed all the grass at the ministry. And so I'd get on my riding lawn more, and, and I'd be riding. And if he was there, he'd want to ride in my lap. So I make three or four rounds on the riding lawn more, mowing the ministry, and he falls asleep. So I drive the lawnmower up to the garage and get out and go to put him in on the couch so he can nap. He wakes up, no, Mimi, no, Mimi, no, Mimi. I ride with you. I ride with you. So I go back to the lawnmower, put him on my lap, and here I go again. In a minute or two, and he's asleep again. So here I mow acres and acres of grass with a child asleep in my arms. That is what God never wants to leave your side. He never wants you to leave his side. He wants us with him all the time. And like he would wake up, no, Mimi, no, Mimi, I ride with you. God wants to be with us all the time. He wants to be with us all the time. He didn't want Jerry out of his sight. He wanted to be with his papa 24-7. I think back on things that we did now that are so insane, we wouldn't even think of doing it. Now, but I'm not kidding you. When that child was three years old, now we could be arrested for this. When that child was three years old, he wanted to ride the motorcycle so bad with his grandpa. Jerry would strap him on the motorcycle and drive clear over to DFW where the Harley place was then with a three-year-old strapped on a motorcycle with him. What were we thinking? We weren't. We just wanted that child with us, you know. Oh, my goodness. The point is God wants to be in our presence. Show us your presence. Well, he can't show us his presence unless we're in his presence. So we have to draw near. You know, about 20-something years ago, I built a 1,200-square-foot playhouse. If you drive by our home down here, you see the little yellow house, little Victorian house behind the house. It's a playhouse, and it has three bedrooms. As you walk on the front porch, I did did the porch all around it so I can have tea parties with my little granddaughters. Now it will eventually be my great-granddaughters. But um, it has a living room, a, a music room, and a dining room. Then it has a kitchen. Then it has a little laundry room with all little 
children's toys in it, you know, the play stuff, the play washer and dryer, just everything. Then you go up the stairs to three bedrooms that have all faux fireplaces. The third floor is a playroom up there. And I made it so I could stay out there with my grandchildren, air conditioning, heated, and the whole works. Why did I do that? Because I wanted them in my presence. I I wanted to create something that would entice them and draw them to come home and be with me. Come home and be with me. Come, let, let us be together. Let us play together. Let us get to know one another. Well, as those grandchildren grew up, and they're grown now, and they don't want to play in the playhouse anymore. I had to add on a big playroom, a game room at the back of my house where there's a pool table and a ping-pong table and all these arcade games and all this stuff. Why did I do that? So I could entice them to come home, to love Mama, to love Daddy, to love Mimi, to love Papa. Entice them, come home, come home. I want to be with you. Well, then Jerry built a 50s diner. He thought that would help entice them even more to come home. You know, Mimi will make malts and shakes and, and sundaes and, you know. Why? Because we want fellowship with them. We want fellowship with them. We love them. We want fellowship with them. Oh, how my heart longs to have fellowship with them. Well, my grandson, Mark James, is 28 years old. And he and Rachel moved to Granbury. Jerrion has a guest house, and they were living in her guest house. And from September Labor Day weekend until in about February, I had not heard one word from my grandson. Now, this is the little bitty one that's grown up. Can you show the pictures of Mark James? There he is. That's my baby right there. And that's my baby there, all grown up. Oh, where's my tissue? Lord Jesus, I need my tissue. That's my baby. Isn't he handsome? Well, I hadn't heard one word from him from Labor Day weekend until sometime in February. Jerry was at my house, and I decided I'm not going to call them. I'm not going to coerce them. I'm not going to make them feel guilty because they don't call. They don't come. I'm going to let them live their lives, okay? But Jerry was at my house. I started tearing. I said, Jerry Ann, I have not heard from that boy since Labor Day weekend. I said, I miss him so bad I can't stand it some days. So she must have gone home <laughs> and told him, your Mimi is really missing you. She is really missing you. You need to call her. You need to contact your Mimi. Well, guess what? I get the sweetest text, and then I get a phone call. Mimi, I'm so sorry. I'm so busy. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. You're the best Mimi in the whole wide world. You're the greatest (laughs) Mimi in the whole wide world. Well, that's all I wanted to hear. Isn't that what God wants to hear from us? You're the greatest. You're the most wonderful Heavenly Father anybody could have. I love you. I adore you. I worship you. That's all he wants to hear is how wonderful he is for us. Well, now my grandson's gone off to boot camp in the military. And guess who gets probably the most letters? (laughs) No, I think Rachel does. But in all of her letters, it's, Please tell my Mimi this, and please tell my Mimi that in her letters. She says, Mimi, one whole page was filled with what I'm supposed to tell you. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. But I can't force them to come see me. I can't make them come see me. I can't make them come and let's play and have a good time. God can't force us to worship him to come into his presence, to draw near every day. He can't make us do it. Oh, that's why it has to be our own free will. It has to be our choice. We have to choose. Glory to God. We get our similitude of fatherhood from the Father God. He longs to have fellowship with us. Uh, My granddaughter, Cassidy, Oh, I guess, I don't know how many months ago, moved into her own apartment. And I received a phone call one day, and she said, Mimi, would you come over and help me decorate my apartment? Oh, that's my love language. Oh, that is my love language. 
is doing for others and decorating. That's my love language. So guess what? I was thrilled. I show up over there and I, she was in my presence. I was in her presence. So I said, let's go shopping. So we went shopping. <laughs> guess what? In his presence, manifest of his presence produces his power, which produces his goodness. All right, guess what? I have the money. I have the checkbook. I have the power. I have the power to be able to buy that child anything she wants for her apartment. So guess what? We went apartment shopping. And I was able to pour out my goodness upon her. Oh, what fun. What fun that is. Well, my grandchildren, Preston, married Christian, as you saw in that picture. And... Uh, they moved into their new apartment, and they don't have very much. And so my granddaughter, Madison, she texted me and said, Mimi, I'm coming home for spring break. Can I come spend some time with you? My love language. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Do you not know how thrilled I was? My granddaughter coming home from college asked if she could come spend the night with me. And I said, Maddie, I said, would you like to do something fun for your spring break? Do you have anything planned? She said, no, I'm just coming home to stay with the family. I said, do you want to fly to California and visit Christian and Preston? And she said, Mimi, more than anything, let's do it. So guess what? She wanted to be in my presence. I had the power to be able to buy the airline tickets, to book the hotels, to, to call Christian and Preston and ask if we could come and they could entertain us for three or four days. So that's what we did. We flew out there. We had our hotel rooms. Hotel rooms are $250 a day for each one of us. That's $500 a day, you know. And then, oh, it just, and then we went to Universal Studios, $120 each for one of, all of us to get in. And it was so much fun being with my three grandbabies. But they wanted to be in my presence. I had the power, and I could pour out my goodness upon them. Right? Right? So after one, one day, I said, let's go furniture shopping. So we went sofa shopping for their apartment, for them to have a new sofa. Well, they didn't buy it that day. I was with them. I left money with them, and they bought it later and it sent me pictures of what their new sofa looked like. Well, after we'd played all day and it was in the afternoon, we go to the shopping area. I said, kids, I'm going to sit right here on this stool and here's my credit card, and you all go in there and buy till your heart's content. Go in there and buy everything you want because I can take care of whatever it is that you need. That's what they did. The three of them went in, they shopped, and I have to make them buy things. They come back out, and they do you love this? Do you love this fits, we want this. I said, it's not enough. You only got two little outfits. Get five more. Do something. Do something. Let me pour out my goodness on you. Let me pour out my goodness on you. They only asked, they only received just a little bit. But no, let me pour out my goodness on you. Go get more. Go do more. That's how God is with us. He wants to show us his manifested presence, his manifested power. And his manifested goodness. Glory to God. My daughter, Terry, this just thrills me beyond words. Every year she calls and says, Mother and Daddy, what are you doing these dates? We want you and Daddy to go on our vacation with us. Do you know what it's like to have your child ask you to go on their family vacation with them every year? And my Jerry Ann calling and Mother, I want to take you to, to Dallas this, this week. We're going Tuesday to Dallas to the Arborarium. Is, I'm not saying that right. Uh, in Dallas and having tea, afternoon tea and fun stuff. When your children want to be around you, there's no greater joy in all the world. Am I telling the truth? When they want to be around you. Bryn. We took the family on our... We've been married now 52 years come this July. Thank you. But on our 50th wedding anniversary, we took all the family to Hawaii, 15 of us. And if you talk about a big bill, yeah, that was a big bill. And uh, when it was all over, my girls make me memory books, you know, by Shutterfly, where it has all the pictures and everything in it. And it has a memory written, every, a, child, a picture of every person and what their favorite memory was. 
Well, Bryn, his favorite memory was walking to Lapper's ice cream with his pop, and he ordered Kona coffee. Kona coffee ice cream. Let me tell you how grown Bryn is. <laughs> Bryn is 12, about to turn 13 this summer. But he has been 21 since he was <laughs> five or six years old. And so a number of years ago, this story is so cute. He's always wanting to order off the adult menu. And he and his mother go round and round. You're not ordering off the adult menu. You have to order off the child's menu. And we were sitting at the restaurant, and he looks at the waiter finally and says, Okay, I'll have the fresh and fruity, Rudy Tootie, fresh and fruity. <laughs> but I do want a French van- a vanilla latte. so funny. These kids, oh, I love them. I love them, I love them, I love them. Thanksgiving is the expression of gratitude, especially to God. Grateful means expressing gratitude, feeling or showing appreciation of kindness or being thankful. So God has two dwellings, one in heaven and the other in a thankful heart. One in heaven and the other in a thankful heart. I had uh, a thank you card on my counter at home and I failed to stick it in here to show you. I received a thank you from uh, Max Coots and his wife Madison, who are Kelly Copeland's son and uh, new daughter-in-law. And uh, both of them wrote a thank you in this thank you card. And I wanted to show you that young people are still doing it today. Those young people were raised right. I'm telling you to write a thank you. So you have got to be grateful. You've got to be thankful to God. God has two dwellings, one in heaven and the other in a thankful heart. You've got to be be thankful. Psalms 138 says, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. So God wants to be praised. He wants to be thanked. He wants you to be grateful for the things that that he has done for you. Do you remember the story of the ten leopards? Uh, when they saw Jesus, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. The Bible says one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him and thanked him. And it didn't, it's not coincidence. He said, and he was a Samaritan. That meant he wasn't even a Jew. He wasn't even... You know, but he received his healing because he came back and thanked God. And then it says, we're not all ten cleansed, where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you whole. He was made completely whole, completely whole. Where leprosy had eaten his ear off or his knuckles or his fingers, they were returned, they were restored. That's why I am convinced that the Savelle household is so abundantly blessed. Why I'm so abundantly blessed is because there's not a day, not hardly an hour that goes by that I'm not thanking God for his goodness, that I'm not thanking God for his faithfulness, that I'm not thanking God for his mercies and for his grace. We are so blessed. And thankfulness plays a key part. It's a major ingredient to the goodness of God being poured out upon you. The power of God. Your manifested power. Power means strength, might, authority, energy, force, influence, sway, and supply. Oh, think about that. Lord, show us your presence. Show us your power. Let me say it this way. Show us your strength. Show us your might. Show us your authority. Show us your energy. Show us your influence. Show us your force. Show us your sway. Show us your supply. Show us your capacity or your ability. Show us your quality and your ability. Oh, my goodness. Can you say that over and over and over and over? And when you do, God's goodness will be poured out in your life. Well, we see two demonstrations 
in the Bible, well, there's many of them, but two that I want to point out to you before my time is gone here. Two displays of God's power in demonstration. And very quickly, I'm not going to talk about the first one, which is, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood by that which has been made, so that they are without excuse. Romans 1.20. It's talking about the heavens. And in Psalms 19.1-6, the heavens are telling, are displaying of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hand. Verse 2 says, day to day pours forth speech and night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and there are utterances to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun. Oh, it just goes on and on and on and on. Uh, It's rising is from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. By the breath of his mouth, all of their host. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. And he lays up the deeps in a storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations. He frustrates the plans of peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart go from generation to generation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. Psalms 33, 6 through 12 says, We see the heavens testify to the existence of God and his attributes, and they proclaim the power of his glory. So I'll stop reading those scriptures, and I want to turn to one more that is just so powerful. Verse 14 In uh, Proverbs 8, you will find true success when you find me. For I have insight into wise plans that are designed just for you. I hold in my hands living understanding, courage, and strength. They are all ready and waiting for you. I empower kings to reign and rulers to make laws that are just. I empower princes to rise and take dominion and generous ones to govern the earth. I will show my love to those who passionately love me. I will show my love to those who passionately love me. For they will search and search continually until they find me. And verse 18 says, Unending wealth and glory come to those who discover where I dwell. Unending wealth and glory come to those who discover where I dwell. There's your key right there. There's your key. The righteous, the riches of righteousness and a long satisfying life will be given to them when you find where God dwells. Where does God dwell? In two places, in heaven and in a thankful heart. When you find where God dwells, unlimited riches becomes yours. Now let's talk about the power. The power of God. In the Exodus, can we show the picture of what a million people look like up there on the screen? In the Exodus, that's what one million people look like. That's one million. Moses brought out two and a half million people from Egypt. The Passover, oh my goodness, let's talk about that for just a second. Let's talk about the Passover. Oh, now let me go back to the plagues before we get to the Passover. God brought ten different plagues over Egypt to convince Pharaoh to let the Hebrews go free. Moses being God's mouthpiece. And he said, say to Pharaoh, I am that I am has sent you. I am that I am has sent you. The first plague, the Nile River was turned to blood and Pharaoh still didn't believe it was from God. Plague two, thousands of frogs. 
that were jumping everywhere and they were even in their bread dough and Pharaoh still would not let the Hebrews go. Plague number three, there were gnats that would swarm and buzz all around the people and the animals. The plague number four were flies, flies everywhere. Can you imagine flies everywhere? Do you see the horses out in the pastures that have the little guard over their eyes and that's to keep the gnats from getting around their eyes? Well, can you imagine the gnats and the flies all over you and crawling all over you? I can't either. And then number uh, five, the flies. And God sent a terrible plague of all the Egyptians, horses and camels and animals, the flies on them. Number six, protected the Hebrew animals. Uh, The Hebrew animals were protected from the flies, even though the flies tormented the camels and the horses and the cows that the Egyptians had. Uh, Number six was the plague of the boils, where people got great big painful bubbles on their skin. So they were plagued with boils. Plague number seven... That was hail falling as chunks of ice from heaven. Plague number eight, the locusts like grasshoppers devoured and ate every living thing that was green and growing. Plague number nine, darkness. Darkness for three days over the entire land. Plague number 10, the worst plague of all. The plague of the firstborn of every family in Egypt would die if his people were not set free. If Pharaoh had listened to Moses and obeyed God, none of the plagues could ha- would have happened. None of them would have happened. But thank God for the blood. How that God commanded Moses that every family was to take a, a lamb and was to kill that lamb and to spread the blood across the lintel and the doorpost and they would be protected when the death angel came by. And I wanted you to know that when... Moses led that two and a half million people out of Egypt. There were many others from other lands and other nations that did what Moses commanded that night, which was kill a lamb and eat the meat, eat all of it, don't leave any left, and put the blood on the doorpost. So there were not only Hebrews that came out, there were Egyptians and people from many, many, many nations. It said it was a great company from all these other nations that came out. And just think of the power, the power that God produced to be able to feed two and a half million people for 40 years. It said that that night, everybody was healed when they took partake of the lamb and they ate of the flesh. And oh my goodness, everybody, it was a mass healing, mass healing. There were no sick among them. There were no feeble. That There were nobody that limped and had to have canes. They were all healed and all strong when they came out of Egypt. Think what our God had the ability to do. His power being demonstrated. And just think, he led them with a, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Look how he took care of them. He fed them with manna. He gave them quail think their shoes didn't even wear out. Now, you know, there were no shoe stores to go to. I wouldn't like that because I love shoes, but their shoes didn't even wear out. What a God we serve. Richard, mass healings, mass healings. We've seen it once. We're going to see it again. That's what your dad said. Your dad said we were going to see miracles come back big time, big time, mass Healings. Glory to God. So listen, my sons and daughters, to everything I tell you, for nothing will bring you more joy than following my ways. Listen to my counsel, for my instructions will enlighten you. You will be wise not to ignore it. If you wait at wisdom's doorway, longing to hear a word for every day, Here's the presence of the Lord again, drawing near. If you wait at wisdom's door, what's that? God's word, fellowship with him. If you wait at wisdom's door, longing to hear a word for every day, joy will break forth within you as you listen to what I'll say. That's where the joy comes from, listening to what God says. For the fountain of life pours into you every time that you find me. 
every time that you find me, the fountain of joy pours into you. And this is the secret of growing in the delight and favor of the Lord. Are y'all getting that scripture? Every day, wisdom is waiting to go in you. Joy is waiting to go in you. If you go to him, that joy and wisdom every day is for the fountain of life pours into you every time that you find me. You're not getting it. The fountain of life pours into you every time that you find me. And this is the secret of growing in the delight and the favor of the Lord. Do you not wonder why Jerry is called Mr. Favor everywhere he goes? Mr. Favor everywhere he goes. They introduce him as that. And now we welcome Mr. Favor. Well, my children have gotten a hold of this. Do you know the National Day of Prayer was Thursday? My daughter, Terry, has been to the White House four times now. There were 125 people in the whole United States invited to come to the White House, an invitation by President Trump for National Day of Prayer in the Rose Garden. My daughter, Terry, was there. My daughter, Terry, was there. Can you imagine? I don't know how many millions of people there are in the, in the United States. I don't know how many ministers there are in the United States. But my little daughter was selected and the privileged of 125 people to get to go to the Rose Garden. The favor of God. The favor of God. And then she gets in line at the airport that afternoon to fly to Canada to minister. And the flight attendant recognized her because she was on C-SPAN news or whatever the news. And he recognized her. And guess what he did? He moved my daughter up to first class where she should be. You know, put her at the front of the line. What do you call that? The favor of God. The favor of God. Goodness. Goodness. The root comes from the word God. Goodness comes, the root is God. It means excellent, fine, valuable, desirable, favorable, beneficial, full, entire, and complete. That's what goodness means. Don't you love that? When the goodness of God is poured out on you, it's excellent, it's fine, it's valuable, it's desirable, it's favorable, it's beneficial. It's full, it's entire, and you are complete. Oh, my goodness. And that is what God wants to do for us. Psalms 119 verse 68 says, You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Psalms 107 verse 1, God's goodness and love lasts forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his love endures forever. His love doesn't run out. His goodness is not going to run out. His power is not going to run out. But the key is show up in his presence, draw near in his presence. Psalms 145, verse 9, it is good. God is good to everyone. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. God has goodness stored up for us, Psalms 31, 19 says. How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you, that you bestow insight of all on those who take refuge in you. There you go again. Psalms 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. So God's goodness impacts us. We're blessed through God's goodness. Psalms 84, 11, my final scripture. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk before him blameless and in his love. One more scripture. Second Peter 1, 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Now, doesn't that scripture sum it up? 
You may want to write that one down. 2 Peter 1, 3. His divine power, we go back to presence and power, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. His own glory and goodness. Well, I rest my case. I rest my case.